Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Hello everybody, welcome to this episode of the Stargate Archives. It's been a while since I've released an episode, I'm saying this now because my editing process seems to get longer and longer and longer every time. One of the beauties of doing the Stargate Archives is that I'm no longer tied to a weekly release schedule like we were for the Gatecast. But apologies if you are used to getting your podcast on a regular basis. Bear with me, I am going to try to record a few more episodes try to get into a maybe a fortnightly schedule at worst case a monthly schedule but the great thing about a hobby is that when you haven't got the time you can just put it to one side and no worries fortunately this week i have got a new guest to the podcast bryn hello hello <laughs> hi <laughs> bryn got in touch over twitter asking if she could contribute some way so i got her on the podcast fantastic yeah contribution <laughs> <laughs> Everything helps. It doesn't matter if you're just you know, retweeting, giving us a, a rating or review on iTunes or something like that, or better than actually coming on the show and talking about Stargate. Oh, who doesn't love talking about Stargate? There's thousands of people on our Twitter feed that love Stargate. And I think it's so important to keep going with the content, the Stargate content, so that we can maybe one day get a reboot. You never know. With all the money that's being spent by... Apple and Netflix, Disney Plus, you think surely there's somebody there that's willing to spend a bit on Stargate. I know. It's a topic I could go into majorly, is how much I think Stargate should come back. Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself before we start? Uh, sure. Well, as you said, my name's Bryn. I'm 22 years old. I came out. I came out. <laughs> I started watching Stargate literally the year I was born because it came out the year that I was born. <laughs> so Stargate's been my whole life. I am a huge fan of Samantha Carter or Amanda Tapping, um, and I actually met her in 2010 at Gate to the Sanctuary, which was amazing. Um, I met her, I met Carmen, I'm not even going to try and say his last name, but <laughs> Jacob Carter. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I also met some Sanctuary cast, which was Obviously, Amanda Tapping's next project after Stargate. So, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, I love, uh, mind you, I love anything that Amanda Tapping's in. So, it's difficult not to like her. And now, of course, you're you're watching shows, her name appears in directing credits. I know. I do have to admit, I've watched shows purely because she's like directed one episode or something, and I've like watched the whole season (laughs) just to see that one episode. So, yeah. It's hard not to, though. She's gone on to have a brilliant career after Stargate, which is always a good thing, as have most of the Stargate people, I think. Um, Yep, certainly have. Excellent. (laughs) So, what episode are we going to be talking about today? I chose Entity today. Yeah, it's one of my favourite episodes, to be honest. And I've heard a lot of other people bag it out a little bit. They don't like it. I just don't understand why. I think it's such a great episode. In regards to like the acting and the filming, and obviously, again, the Amanda Tapping centered episode. It is, yeah, definitely. The Carter centered episode. The beauty of Stargate, though, there's, there is something for everyone. They've got an ensemble cast, and the writers make use of it. Absolutely. I feel like they've spread it out quite nicely as well, with each character getting their own storyline. So, 
I think that's what makes it such a brilliant show, really. Okay, then. Entity is a season four episode, episode 20, written by Peter DeLuise, better known for his directing efforts on Stargate, all three live-action series, although he only wrote for SG-1 and uh, Atlantis. The mm. di- yeah, the director, uh, Alan Lee, this was his only episode of Stargate that he directed. However, yeah. he was the editor for 24 episodes of SG-1. So, definitely uh, yeah. within the family. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this episode premiered in the UK, 31st of January, 2001. The Americans got it February the 9th, Germany October the 17th. Couldn't find a date for Australia. Oh, we usually get it this, around the same time as America. I did Fun like fact, the time. I was four years old. Four, four years old. <laughs> I was older than that. <laughs> <laughs> Right then, so the episode opens up in the gate room and Jack appears a little late. Everybody else is waiting for him. As usual. That's kind of Jack's MO, isn't it? (laughs) Walter's on the Darling computer. He's doing his uh, Chevron locked lines. How many times did he say those lines throughout the series? Oh, I want someone to do a counter. (laughs) I want them to actually count how many times. And the same thing, Silas, how many times he got hurt. I'd love to see that. There must be YouTube clips out there. At some point, somebody must have done it. Oh, I hope so. I really, really hope so. They're sending a map through the Stargate. They did actually give us the name of the uh, planet, P9C372. Doesn't really make a difference uh, to this episode. Always struck me a bit unusual that you'd think they'd be sending maps through regularly, kind of doing recon. You wouldn't have the main team waiting for the results, as it were. Actually, funny you say that, I was listening to some other reviews and stuff about this episode in preparation. They made a really great point of saying, like, why was Sam sitting at the desk so below her rank to just be like, you know. It's almost as if the plot demanded it. What? Who would have guessed? (laughs) It's almost like something bad was going to happen to her. Well, that's it. If if they spent all the time in the you know the cafeteria waiting for actual departure orders, nothing would ever happen to them. It's true. Have a much safer military tenure. Well, why wasn't that the case then? <laughs> you know, saving the world. I think they deserve you know a little jello break. Yeah, but that, that's <laughs> always the case though. You know, the argument is why does it always happen to this one person? Why doesn't it happen to somebody else? But you go. Well, that's television, isn't it? You've got to have a main character or a main group of characters and everything has got to happen to them. Otherwise, you'd mm-hmm. be introducing leads every week. Then you've got an anthology show. That's a whole new ball game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it's funny. Um, It's so true, though. Like, each character has, like, a specific thing that often happens to them. So, like, Daniel dies all the time. Yeah. Has a new <laughs> you know, girlfriend Sam every other week. gets taken over. Oh, Yeah. I mean, didn't he get married in, like, the third episode as well? Was it uh, the third? It was Broker Divide. He ended up getting, like... Jack got kind of married in Brief Candle. Yes. And then aged dramatically, which is what marriage does to you. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Jack and Daniel uh, tease and talk quite a bit on, on this opening episode. Quite a bit of fun there. The mouth goes through the Stargate and, well... Something strange happens to it. It looks like it's floating away. My first thought is, oh, Space Gate. But then I thought, hang on a minute, no, that's the wrong show. Oh. <laughs> Dial back a bit. This is season four, SG-1. Space Gates yeah. weren't a big thing I'm back down. then. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the same with, um. there's a the Watergate episode and when they send the mount through and it goes straight into the water. 
Yeah. So it's kind of the same sort of vibe you're getting. You're kind of watching it and you're like, oh, oh okay. I suppose that, um, that is why they send them out, of course, but it is yeah. a rather expensive piece of equipment to lose. I know. The amount of melts that they would have lost. Yeah, crazy. And then in the actual episode, I mean, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but when he's like, when the entity actually goes into the melts and stuff, pretty much all of them would be like fried. Can imagine and he Jack, starts breaking them up. Yeah, Jack running around with a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the the melt kind of goes flying off into the distance. We get some, we actually get some graphics that would look fantastic if they were fully rendered, but we're looking at them in low resolution on a monitor. It looks like some yes. huge kind of alien city. You know, something like from the Borg or another Star Trek, you know, like the original Star Trek movie, Vija. Huge mechanical looking place. Yeah, but still with a, with like a human element. Like, I don't know, I saw the, um like the paths leading up to the big supercomputer kind of thing. It looked, yeah. looked almost human, like people would walk along it and things like that. If they believe this might have been formerly ancient or at least a repository, yeah. then... It's not out of the question that something evolved there. Yeah. I mean, it's Stargate. Anything's possible. Yeah, yeah. They report problems with the remote control, with the getting some sort of energy feedback along the systems. Then the pyrotechnic guys go nuts with sparks and lightning and all sorts of things over the place. Yeah. Everyone gets, you know, shot into the sky. Yeah. Very dangerous place to be if you're not wearing <laughs> some sort of rubber boots to earth yourself. Yeah. Emergency disconnect, sir. Do it. Emergency disconnect. Off you go, Jack. Yes. For some reason, the emergency disconnect is actually in the, the actual gate room itself. Yeah, because that's safe. I just want a big red button. Just put me a big red button on the console, you know, so I can just hit that, it and shut power off. Not exactly. And I'm pretty sure later in the um, series, they do end up having, like, a red button to close the gate or at least close the iris. Yeah. I suppose they've got to be given credit that SGC do learn from their mistakes because early on, they're letting anybody through the Stargate. They're bringing anything back. There's no quarantine. There's no in-depth medicals right at the beginning. They pay lip service to it, but you don't see it until much Mm. later on where they start saying, you've got to go to quarantine. That's got to go through a research lab first. We're going to do off-world study before we bring it back to Earth. But earlier on, "Ah, bring it back. No worries. Yeah. That was just like anything and everything. We jump to the opening theme. Yeah, it was your turn to be like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> We return from the credits to, to the gate room, which is badly damaged. A lot of the computers are totally wrecked. Mm-hmm. Frasier is here. Always great to see Terrell on the show. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, so great. Like I love when they started really bringing her into it a bit more because season one and two, she wasn't as like as heavily featured but then she started getting yeah they tried a few, a few different scenes. doctors didn't they yeah but you've got to have a good doctor on a sci-fi show i think that's a given yeah exactly i mean she was brilliant wasn't she yeah oh, walter is brilliant. injured sam is a little bit hurt as well yeah walter's like thrown across the room isn't he <laughs> yes <laughs> like it seems like nobody even like cares that he's like they're like oh sam's got a burn on her hand and walter's like i'm fine yeah i'll be all right i'll be all right <laughs> yeah. it's happened before it's not the first time jack is rather put out how uh, janet is ordering people around yes and then tilt comes in with his little who put her in charge the u.s air force in medical matters 
orders. Dr. Fraser may overrule those of any rank. I'm not getting all my memos. They'll say, Jack, who put her in charge? <laughs> yeah, the military did. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, and then he's the classic line of, I'm not getting all my memos. Yeah, that kind of a, a running theme through this episode. Mm. Personally, I think Jack is getting the memos. He's just not reading them. Yeah, or he's using them. I feel like Jack would definitely use his memos as like the back of a shopping list or something like that. Yeah. Get his memo and just flip it over. Right, oh, I need some milk. <laughs> yeah. Remember to take the Simpsons tonight. Yeah. Tilk is buttering up a bit to the Doctor. He's playing along. He, he knows where he stands. Don't mess with the Doctor. She can do all sorts of things to you if she wants to. Yeah, quite funny throughout the whole series how much he just like will do anything that Janet tells him to do. It's like he's afraid of this little little woman who's <laughs> just going to well, I, I still remember tell him uh, what to do. Yeah, I still remember early on when she was calling him Mr Tilk. Yes. That was oh, so cute, that was. Yeah. Right, we go yeah. to the infirmary. Walter and Sam, they're both okay. Like you say, uh, Walter, not quite as healthy as Sam, but no worries. And then we kind of see off to one side that the monitor is running a lot of schematics and it looks like it's doing it by itself. Mm, creepy. Yes, that is that is a bit worrying. Anybody had noticed it. Yes, that's true. It does take them quite a while, doesn't it? I often forget with this episode how um, long the introduction really is to the yeah. episode. Like, it really doesn't... Like, you'd think that as soon as Sam gets burnt that, like, the entity would take over then or something like that. But it actually takes quite a while for things to get like for them to really figure out what's going on i think some of the best horror movies you know take the time to build everything up make the audience wait for it even if the characters on screen aren't aware of it in fact that almost better because you know that something is going to happen there's your favorite character walking along the uh, corridor you know oblivious to what's hiding behind the corner <laughs> so you're, yeah you're, you're <laughs> getting all the suspense and yeah. you, you get the payoff as well yeah, definitely. And I think it also brings like a really good element to the episode because it really shows that this entity is, is learning, trying to get all the information it can before it strikes kind of thing, which really shows how intelligent it is. I mean, you obviously you get that impression when they figure out what it is, but yeah, it really is like this intelligent thing that's just like quietly taking over the base computers. I often think in the control room, somebody probably should have noticed it. Yes. Like there's lots of people <laughs> chilling in the control room that, I don't know, I feel like they really, somebody should have been like, huh, there's lots of schematics going on. Yeah. There's lots of... <laughs> they know those systems like the back of the hand. They'd look at the screen and say, I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I suppose they're all just a little bit taken aback from the electrical issues. Yeah, could be. I mean, they're not. Sparks. They're certainly not expecting anything like this. They're used. They're used to aliens and alien technology coming through. They're just not used to an attack by a computer code. Mm. Like a computer virus, almost. They're like, oh, you yeah, can't get a yeah. virus from the. We've got security. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by PC software? world off the off the shelf. <laughs> yeah. U.S. military cutbacks. We go to Daniel's little office. He's having a look at the mount footage. Classic Daniel. Yeah, he, he's. In research mode, he's having the time of his life, even though this isn't really mm. archaeology as such. They actually identify that there is an alien signal in the, in the feedback. And then we get probably one of the funniest little scenes, the security cameras. 
Yes. <laughs> so many scenes of this episode where you see in the background the security camera just moving left and right as it listens to people. <laughs> and you go, this is weird. Yeah, it's like, um... Oh, I would have loved to have... Oh, I would have loved to have known so much, to have seen more about this, like, entity, like, personality-wise. I mean, we see a lot, obviously, throughout the episode, but just, like, the way that it's just, like, moving the cameras and you get, like, a childlike sense from the camera movements like it's very like oh what's that oh that's making a noise oh what's that happening over here and things like that I would have loved to have just seen more if that makes sense yeah you've got to assume that the reason the camera movement looks so bad is that they literally put them up five minutes before they started shooting but you can imagine it that it's an intelligence that can't quite control it yet you know like you say like a baby moving its head left and right and it's not that smooth motion yet it's kind of more fits, yeah. and, fits and starts. Yeah, and kind of realising that, like, these, obviously they didn't know that it was humans, but, like, these humans are talking, communicating in a different way. So really, like, every time that there's a different noise, you can see that the entity is like, whoa, <laughs> what is that? Yeah. Right, we go back to the gate room. Hammond is being briefed by Sam and Daniel. I think the general actually handles this pretty well. Early on, he'd, he'd have his finger on the nuclear button right now. Just yeah. just on the off chance that something's gone wrong. We'll blow the base up. <laughs> yeah, better safe than sorry. Yeah, definitely was a lot more chill this episode with everything. He seemed to be like at a loss almost of what was he, he was expecting. You know, he's like, this happened, but I have no idea why. So Yeah, this is totally outside his frame of reference, really. Everybody's. Yeah. Everybody's. Yeah, well, like you said, they're so used to like physical aliens coming through the gate. Glowy eyes, creepy little grey men. Yeah, this is kind of like, okay, have we had alien contact or what's going on? And then, like, as well, because I think they were expecting information about the ancients and then suddenly there was no information about the ancients. Like, there's no... Like, they didn't really go further into it, did they? Like, other than Daniel's little scene of watching. Yeah, they but, just gave us a teaser and then kind of... Diverted straight to uh, the entity storyline, which is fair enough. Mm. Of course, ultimately, they give us a great reason why they never go back to that world, so it kind of works out. Yeah. Mind you, I do wish that they would have gone back. Maybe not with them out, because, you know, you don't want to get them angry again. It would have been so interesting to see them, whether they would have them as an enemy or have them as, like, a friend. I don't know. They might have been a very good military component against replicators. Yeah, exactly. Imagine yeah. how much they could have learnt from that planet. wasn't done the right way, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, this this entity managed to survive, expand itself, take over, you know, a native of the planet, and ultimately save that person as well. Mm. What the entity learnt about uh, human biology must have been incredible. That was it. There was no more. But I suppose as well, like, it would be quite a scary situation. You want to, you know annoy or bother there comes a point when perhaps two species are so different that the best idea is just to step back and not cross paths again yeah there's that whole what do you call it where they were the they're a childlike race the humans they're not ready yet as as always said they won't be and the knocks you are but yeah yeah (laughs) so you know perhaps it was a situation like that where it was just they're a bit too young to learn more about this race so. Yeah, I'd say we, they just didn't have the technology to communicate. I mean, maybe the Asgard would have said, 
yeah, try communicating with this microwave device instead of radio waves. That would work fine. Mm. But that's one of the problems with exploring. Sometimes you do make mistakes. People do get hurt. The repercussions can last for decades. Fortunately, it ends within a day. Yeah. <laughs> Sam's up all up for doing a virus scan. Uh, she wants to shut down the computers, wipe the systems, uh, reload from uh, safe storage. Sounds like a plan. So yeah. so that they will use this exactly same plan on an episode of Atlantis many years later. I'm really bad with Atlantis. I don't remember a lot of episodes. I'm basically really bad remembering episodes books for anything. <laughs> which is ridiculous because I've watched more Stargate than I care to remember. Yeah, I often go through episodes. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've never seen that. And then I watch it and I'm like, oh, no, I've definitely seen this. But, yeah, I think that's a... There we go. The Intruder. Um, Thank you, Stargate Wiki. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so great that we've got Stargate Wiki. So, the General Order's DEFCON 2 lockdown. That's a bit dramatic. Yes. DEFCON 2 is that one step away from full-scale nuclear warfare. But, hey-ho. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, we're going to blow it up, but we're not going to blow it up. We're just going to look <laughs> at the computers. Where it gets all dark and then you kind of... It's good to see that process of what they've got to do when they... Like, everybody was on board when he announced that. It was like everybody was, you know, ready to go. They were all like, okay power's going off that is something they probably do understand yeah if there's a problem with your computer you unplug it and then you boot yeah. it back up again job done there's an it crowd where yeah. it's like have you tried turning it off and on again <laughs> that was the original yeah now we get a view of a lab or a storage room and it's full of different models of maps and i love the look of this room you know, we've seen the map. it's big, it's boxy, it doesn't look like it can really do anything by itself. But in here, you've all different sorts of shapes and sizes, and it, and it looks interesting. Yes. I love that they have, like, a whole storage room just full of mounts. Yeah. Like, I... it's just, yeah, I just love that they've got all different types in there. First thing that came to mind was, I know Stargate Wiki says something about the movie Sphere, but I look at that and I think, Terminator 3, where they were building the drones, automatic drones, before Skynet took them over, which was a room full of these autonomous robots. And I thought, that's exactly the same sort of scene. I have to say, you haven't seen it. I haven't actually seen (laughs) No, they definitely, um, for a long time there, had a lot of references and ideas coming from other movies and shows and things like that, which was kind of a good thing. Sorry, I've kind of lost my train of thought. <laughs> we see that there's some activity going on in the storage room anyway. Uh, one of the emergency lights is being mucked about with. If you didn't realise that there was something going on by now, then this kind of underlines it. Yes. We jump back to the briefing room, batting about the idea that this was some sort of alien probe sent to Earth to discover who we're getting in. Not quite sure. Was it an aggressive act? Was the probe just passive? Was it supposed to just sit there and listen and learn and then kind of return. As they say, this is exactly what we do, but we use a mechanical device. They use some sort of electronics. Mm. They identify, they do an EEG, send a signal that was uh, similar to uh, brain waves. Then the lights go out, lights flicker. <laughs> Jack, hello. <laughs> <laughs> hello. Yeah, he's like, oh. Yeah, Jack, you're not taking this seriously. Like... Yeah. Oh, and then oh, I just, I love that it's a little bit just above the lights going off again, where he's like him and Daniel's conversation about, so it's a probe. 
we're saying it's like a probe, but are we calling it a probe? <laughs> it's know, just like, it's like, yeah, but just answer me. Oh. And then it goes on like where O'Neill's like, does his little hello. It's like, oh, he's still here. And O'Neill's like, the probe. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a name. I, I imagine Jack Jack would be very, very difficult to work with. You can understand why Jack didn't take to Daniel straight away, but it goes both ways. To Daniel, yes. Jack must be a stubborn, awkward person to work with. Yeah, he's just... And he's so intelligent, but he's just so stupid at the same time. <laughs> you, you, know, know, you know that he's intelligent, but you just... Oh. You know Jack goes back to his office, and he has got an office no matter what he says. And sits yeah. back and laughs himself silly how he screws around with Daniel. Oh, yeah. He's probably got the chalkboard. Imagine... Things I did to Daniel today. <laughs> He's got a little tally going on. Yeah. I made Daniel swear. <laughs> <laughs> you can just imagine Daniel walking down the hallway just like red in the face, so angry at O'Neill, and O'Neill just like standing, behind, like walking slowly behind him, just like hacking himself laughing. <laughs> oh. And then, obviously, further on in the show, you get the other characters starting to jump in as well. Like, Tilt gets a little bit snarky with Daniel. And, and obviously, the relationship between Daniel and Carter is always just hilarious. So There is, over the seasons, an immense amount of character interaction and character building between the main cast. It is really appreciated oh, when you watch it. Some, absolutely. You get some shows where they kind of set the relationships right at the beginning and it doesn't really change. Stargate. Yes. They threw them together. Jack and Daniel had a small amount of interaction from the movie, but everything else was kind of organic. It grew over the years. Yeah, exactly. And you you can tell that like actors were getting a good friendship as well. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why Stargate lasted so long and, you know, had all of these offshoots and had the the movies and everything like that because they all worked hard to actually build relationships like you can't go through I think this is this is actually possibly a quote from the show but you can't go through literally facing death together and not be close you know not have that kind of banter that light-heartedness that family kind of relationship yeah and you definitely see that and I love like I always say this I love the relationship between Sam and Daniel like they're I mean some people obviously ship them but to me they're like sibling kind of relationship yeah is just in the show it's just so perfectly done that you can tell that it's also the actors as well their relationship has grown into that kind of sibling friendship if that makes sense so it's really good like it's really good to see in the show and I think that's what makes it such an enjoyable show to watch I think that's why it got quite hard in season nine and ten as well if you're seriously invested in the original cast it was kind of a blow when Ben and Claudia came along. Yeah. I mean, I 100% have to say, I think they did a brilliant job coming into the show and they definitely, like, season 9 and 10 are, are brilliant. It was, at the beginning, quite a loss when Jack left. It was sort of like nobody really knew where to go and everything like that. And then, obviously, the beginning of season 9, Amanda Tapping was pregnant, so she wasn't in the first, I think it's like the first six, six or seven episodes. And so everybody was like, oh, what is going on? Where is... Sam, where is Jack? Where is, you know? <laughs> yeah. You really, like, you could really feel it. But at the same time, I think having, like, when Sam came back, having Sam and Daniel and Tilk still there and still have that really strong relationship made it a lot easier with Pam and Vala being kind of around and becoming a part of the family as well. 
Oh, yeah, these <laughs> slotted in very nicely. Different characters, but I know a lot of people consider Stargate finished after Richard Dean Anderson left, and I can I can understand that point of view. Richard Dean Anderson was why I... I mean, I enjoyed the movie when mm. it came out. I was amazed when I heard about, oh, there's going to be a TV show. Okay, yeah, fun. it's going to start Richard Dean Anderson. MacGyver? Yeah, fantastic. Mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because he was a part of the production team as well. He was the face of Stargate, and he, Jack was such a fantastic character. It yes. was hard to say goodbye, but Richard Dean Anderson over the years has put his body through a hell of a lot of strain, and it finally caught mm. up to him. Plus, he wanted to spend time with his kid, his daughter, so you can't really criticise him for that. No, exactly, and he was in, like, you know, back-to-back shows, Yeah, really. Yeah. Um, and that's got to take a toll, you know, when you doing these action shows back to back. I think it also gave us a, a nice uh, kind of like segue into the movies and, yeah, just into into a change. And I, I quite like, I do quite like the change and the, you know, having obviously the Ori becoming the main bad guys and things like that. So this kind of change, I think it was a welcomed change, not a happy change. But it was definitely a welcome change, and I definitely you definitely get a different vibe from season nine and ten. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to one of your podcasts actually, and you were talking about Beathead and how it's just such a different vibe with Cam and Vala and Daniel and Tilk all playing basketball. You know, like it's a completely different team environment kind of thing. But that being said, obviously, if Jack ever came back, oh, it would be amazing. It would be such great. <laughs> It would just be so good. And then my little, you know, Sam and Jack heart would be very happy if they got together. So, Well, we know they did. When Jack yeah. took over Homeworld Command, Sam was no longer under his direct authority. Yeah, they got together. Oh, 100%. 100%. I refuse to believe anything else. We're still in the briefing room. We've got a projector up. And then we see that it's showing the camera's point of view. And it's watching them. It's watching Jack. Yep. It's watching Jack very closely. Jack being um, Jack, do I look fat? <laughs> I know, we've got like Sam and Daniel being like, wow, it, it wants us to know it's here, it's sustaining itself, it's all of that. And Jack's just like, do I look fat? We see that it's oh. also gained access to some of the databases. It's running through the ID jackets, pulling up Jack, Sam, Daniel as well. Mm-hmm. Sila looks pretty puzzled. Good to see Sila sitting on in the meeting as well. Yeah. At least he got something instead of being thrown off a roof or... Yeah, we've, we've got to remember that... <laughs> Pushed S- down the stairs. Sila is a lot more than a bloke that carries around a big spanner. Yeah. He can actually get into the guts of the system and tear it apart. He isn't just a glorified mechanic. Yes. I almost want an offshoot show of just Walter and Sila. <laughs> Just like their everyday lives. Let's just have like 13 episode show of just, just like, you know, when SG-1's going and saving the world. What are they doing? Where are they at? They, they could easily, easily have done that. Or from their point the of view. I actors would have been so down for it. I mean, have you seen the banter that the two actors have on Twitter? It is hilarious. Yeah. Oh, and it would have been so popular too. Because, I mean, who doesn't love Walter and Sila? <laughs> Again, two characters that really had no right becoming as popular as, as they did. Exactly. Credit credit to both the writers and the producers for recognising the fact that we've got something here. Let's keep bringing them back. Let's give them more to do. Yeah, because I think both of them... Oh, I'm not sure about 
Walters, Gary Jones. Zyla is um, a stuntman yes, it was. by trade. Yeah. So, like, he's not even, wasn't even supposed to be, like, an actor kind of thing. And they, he did it brilliantly, didn't he? Like, every time he got blown up or shot at or something like that, <laughs> you know, his little comments of, like, oh, again, you know, brilliant. And then also he being a part of the team in the sense that he, like, did a lot of the stunt doubles and things like that. So Yep. We are back in the gate room. They realise that the programme is pretty much going through within our entire system. This is where we get the actual entity hacking into the system using the emergency lighting. Mm. Yeah, where they actually shut down the system. They were talking about it before. Because they were saying about, we don't know its intentions, we don't know what it's... This is the problem sometimes when you're talking about an episode. You get so far ahead of yourself and you go, oh, hang on a minute. I'm about 20 (laughs) 20 minutes ahead of where we should be. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And you get so excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just reading the transcript along with us with us talking. And, like, you can really see Hammond concerned about it going, like, further outside of the base. One, not only getting the information from the base, but just getting into the outside world. Oh, yeah. Which is really, you know, for, what, 2001, computers and things like that were still developing and things like you know viruses and all of that sort of thing was still and correct me if I'm wrong I mean I was only four Um, but you know it was still quite a new thing so the fact that he like that they even put that in was really good about Hammond being so concerned. Funnily enough this may be this well definitely before your time Uh, it doesn't (laughs) mean it doesn't mean you haven't seen the movie Electric Dreams. Nope. Nope. 1984 romantic comedy about this bloke that buys his computer because he's told, oh, it'll do everything for you. You can hook it up to everything. Even now, with Alexa and Siri, we're only just getting there to that level of control. But in 1984, mm-hmm. this is what he was doing. And basically, his computer gets a personality, becomes alive, and that escapes into the wild. I was listening to Hammond and everything. I'm thinking, no, oh, this, is, this is the plot to Electric Dreams, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, Peter, probably watched this movie a few years prior. Mm the threat of an alien AI getting out into the very early internet of the day. Yeah, that would have been such a cool episode if like, they'd had, well, I mean, I suppose this episode kind of covers it, but they'd actually had an AI come to life. They shut down the systems, they wipe it, we get a view, the malp room, we see that something is going on, something sinister. Sam and Sala in the gate room, they're at the computer controls, they notice that there's a system error, there is still a power usage in one of the uh, storage bays. Service level 24, go down, Jack touches the door, he says, oh, this is warm, is it a fire? No, the alarms will be going off, start cutting through, because, you know, the door's been welded from the inside. Yes, definitely knew what it was doing. Yeah. Wasn't just trying to survive, it was trying to... Protect yourself um, as well, give, it, yeah. give itself time to do what it had to do. The little mini mount yes. that we see. How cute was that? You know, that, that, that was a DHD from Farscape. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, oh. This is one scene as well where, as we've said, SG-1 have got to be involved because they are the stars of the show. But you wouldn't have mm-hmm. SG-1 coming through this door first. You, no. you would have your in-house security, the Marines who are guarding the SGC doing this. Yeah, some, they're meant to be um, Earth's best hope and the number one team and all of this. And they're like, oh, we'll just risk your life by you going in there. Yeah. (laughs) The regular, either the Marines or the airmen, they were probably training for combat within the SGC. 
you know, tactics in small rooms, tight corridors. Jack just steps through. I'm not bothered. No armor, no no helmets. <laughs> you think, come no. on, please, please. Just a gun. Even Daniel. Daniel just wanders in. Oh, this looks interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and I was um I've written on my notes actually about how passive Daniel is this early in the show, but especially in this episode, he's just like so like, oh yeah. Oh that's interesting. That's very cool, you know. <laughs> yeah. Jack's like, let's blow it up, let's cut it open, let's you know. Yeah, and Daniel's just like, No, we can't do that. They find a huge piece of machinery, cabling, monitors, control circuits, all sorts of thing. It looks a mess but it's obviously doing something mm. and like you say jack's first thought well, all right we'll blow it up give me some claymores <laughs> I'm, and i'm thinking okay claymores anti-personal we- weaponry and you got any c4 you know demolition charges or something you don't want to use oh. your claymores in this room but no jack's all for it but as you say daniel no no sam again the more intellectual side of the team this is an alien entity. We've got to make contact. We can't just kill it. We don't know if it's what it's done has been deliberate or, as we said, is it aggressive or is it passive? For all we know, it came here by accident. It came here by mistake. It's trying to survive. Obviously, what it's done here was self-preservation. But yeah, as I say, I think a bit later, this is exactly what we would do. Yeah, exactly. And Jack has been the victim of alien intelligences before. Yeah. He's a bit gunk out by this present. I suppose um, by this point, he's just a little bit over it. Yeah, <laughs> I like, think so, yeah. Oh, another infection, another <laughs> thing, you know, and it's not convenient, you know, what the, what the entity has made. Like, can you imagine cleaning up that mess? Oh, don't see SG-1 doing that. Um, <laughs> no, with the, oh, but... yeah, yeah. <laughs> We need some volunteers. <laughs> yeah, SG-1's like, oh, no, 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 we, we've got to go save the planet. But, yeah, I think at this point he's just a bit like, oh, it's just this big mess, let's just, you know, let's make more of a mess by blowing it up, for one. <laughs> yeah, like we see earlier on, basically there's just one main line that's feeding it power. There you go. You, you don't have yeah. to blow the damn thing, blow it up. Yeah. <laughs> but they realise it's running off battery power from the uh, the emergency light, so... Uh, it's only got a finite amount of time it can stay alive anyway. It's fully isolated yes. from the base mainframe. Sam decides to actually use the interface as obviously some sort there's a display and a keyboard, basically a big arrow saying use me. <laughs> yeah. This uh, isn't dangerous at all. No, it's it's showing Sam's service record as well. So it's learnt something from actually scanning the faces, having a look at what they do. So it's picked out somebody mm-hmm. it can work with, think, you'd hope. Yeah. And it's obviously um, looked at the background of things and obviously um, Jack's got the black op background. So you can tell that he, like, the entity would have learnt something there, like, like you say, with wanting to just blow it up, wanting to just get rid of it. You know, he's quite... If the entity was reading that without knowing who Jack is, get the sense that it, he's quite a violent person. Do you know what I mean? Even though we know that Jack's not a violent person. Just reading that kind of background history... And then you get Carter, who's like a little bit of the soldier, but also very intelligent and works with computers. And it probably even says in there that she was one of the ones that helped get the gate system started on Earth and that sort of thing. So you can really, really see, like I say, how intelligent this thing is and and that it really chose the best person for it to survive. Um, I mean, Daniel probably 
you know, Jack probably would have blown him up. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's in Daniel. Let's blow him up. Yeah. So Carter's really the, the safest bet for this entity. To be fair, Jack does take precautions. He grabs some bolt cutters and goes to the main mm. power line. I don't know if it was, I think, too provocative an action. Even at this point, yeah. I wonder if the entity was would have been willing to deal if it didn't feel threatened right at that moment. Yeah, like obviously we know that it was using the cameras. It was looking at, at everything. It was learning and things like that. And it would have known that was its main power supply. So really it's like putting a gun to its head. Yeah. You know, and, and like you say, it might have been passive. It might have been like, okay, we'll communicate. Then it just tried to find the best way possible to to survive, really. It's all quite a, a big episode on survival. Yeah, as soon as Sam starts typing, we see that face kind of blanks over. We then realise as the camera pulls back, there's uh, electricity of some sort, energy hitting the keyboard and the fingers. Ooh. That's not good. Jack goes cut happy. But it's too late. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we get to the infirmary. Janet attaches the little sensors. No EEG, no EKG, vital signs. Nope. Oh, nope. Oh, wait a sec. She's back. She's back. Oh, there's two of her. <laughs> yeah. And Sam um, is once again a host. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, it just, I feel like at this point it would be like, oh, there's another thing just taking over Sam. Like, what are we doing here? You know? Yeah. But I just got to say the acting of Amanda Tapping during that scene where the entity is taking over her. Just could you imagine just that not blinking, having to have that almost no emotion but also showing a little bit of fear? You know, like she would have realised at the beginning what was happening and then possibly we know from the towards the end of the episode that she was like screaming kind of thing. So she was obviously still in there but just like having no control over your body. Oh, that I do get quite amazed at Amanda Tubby's acting in this episode because it just being able to be almost non-human you know but still showing that there is something still going on inside. I assume that at some point she had a look at playback because you're doing something like that Mm. you haven't got really much idea what you look like when you're doing that you think look scared look pensive but without too much emotion you go what's that look like Mm. I'll try this look on the playback you think yeah that looks right that's what I've got to do. And she would have had to have worked really, really, I mean, all of them work closely with directors, but she would have really had to work closely with the director to make sure that what she was displaying was exactly what he was expecting, you know? Did she need to have a little bit more emotion? Did she need to have a little bit less emotion? And I don't think she blinks very much either. (laughs) No, she doesn't. In the whole episode. So really, like, that would have been a difficult thing, trying not to have watery eyes or red eyes. And just the movement when she's talking and things like that, um, or when the entity's talking, just the movement of her head and, yeah, it would have just been such a cool You hope thing. at this point that this is when RDA realises that this isn't the time to be the clown. Mm. Let the woman do her work, then make fun of it after the fact. Because you don't really want to be breaking out in giggles halfway through shooting this sort of scene. Yeah, exactly. I haven't actually seen any bloopers from this episode, but I'd love to see if there are any... Because sometimes you just know that an actor can do something without it being, like, without any bloopers. Do you know what I mean? Without making any mistakes. But this is Stargate, so... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The only thing I went looking for was the the little Sam and Jack uh, musical cue we got throughout the episode. Yeah. You know, my albums, trying to look for it, and I couldn't find it anywhere. I ended up 
going on Google and finding that somebody had actually just ripped it off the couple of the episodes and said it was an unpublished piece. So much music from Stargate has never been officially published. And you think, please, release it. I want to buy it. Wow. Yeah, I would have that as my ringtone. Mind yeah. you, I'd probably start crying every time I got a phone call <laughs> because, you know, I'm, I'm a hardcore Sam and Jack shipper. And this was a really good episode, actually, for Jack and Sam. It's such a great episode to, that we really see where Jack's at yep. in regards to Sam. <laughs> that he's not okay. He's not doing well at all. Um, and like I say, if it had been Daniel, it, we obviously know that Jack and Daniel have a have a great friendship. But I feel like if it had been Daniel, he wouldn't have had as many reservations. Well, um, if it had been Mayborn, oh, he'd have blown the thing up straight away. If it had been Mayborn, he probably would have blown the base up straight away. <laughs> <laughs> Janet is pretty honest that Sam is seriously injured. She's not quite sure if the other brain signal is has erased Sam's, however you want to describe personality, intellect, mm-hmm. soul however or it's oppressed can it be brought back either way uh, Tilk recommends an armed guard he's absolutely right to do that and there's an alien intelligence controlling one of the members of the SGC yeah then a rise open which is always creepy yeah <laughs> potential brain damage stroke obviously at this point there's not a lot Janet can do there's not a lot anybody can do this is mm. totally outside what human medical science is capable of understanding yeah exactly and how would you be able to tell you wouldn't even be able to say like like can you breathe can you you know i mean obviously we know that the entity ends up taking over the gross motor skills and things like that yeah just not being able to i mean obviously a lot of things that janet faces would be a stressful situation <laughs> yeah. but this would have just been really no idea you know um they were fortunate no that the entity didn't learn fast enough. It could have cloned, yeah. it could have copied the mannerisms, the intelligence, the, the control of the bodies so much quicker. And it'd been almost impossible for them to tell the difference at that point. Yep. They, they got lucky that the uh, entity was so unfamiliar with a biological being. Yeah, exactly. Because really, um, other than the jerky movements and things like that, you wouldn't be able to tell without, like, if, if it knew how to communicate with. Sam's voice. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it brings you back to when Sam was taken over by Jolina. For a while there, they didn't know. They had no idea <laughs> no. that something had happened. I mean, even Janet was like, oh, you just got a scratchy throat, you know? <laughs> yeah, that would have been really creepy, actually. That whole episode would have taken a very different turn. <laughs> it would, yeah. <laughs> if, if it had taken over like that. But I suppose that would have been too much like the Jolina. Yeah, you can, you can only do so much in each episode. You've, you've got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah, exactly. They go back to storage room 24. They discover that all the hardware is dead. Jack believes this was a trap to capture Samantha. Daniel, oh, so you want me to say you were right? Uh, I don't think Jack is that flippant at this point. I think he's going to be worried about Sam. Although mm. he did have a point that Tilkin himself were for blowing the thing up. But Daniel makes a great yeah. point that they had to talk. 
Sam had to make an, an effort at communication with his alien intelligence because that's who they are. Yeah. Otherwise, they'd be the NID running around just nicking stuff, killing people. Yeah, exactly. And that's what makes the team so well-rounded as well because Daniel and Sam are really like the two that are like, well, we need information, we need to communicate, we need to learn from these things no matter how inconvenient it is. Yeah. Even if you die doing something, if it was the right thing to do, then your death was worthwhile. Yeah, exactly what you said. Like Daniel was like, no matter what happens, no matter how this turns out, Sam wasn't wrong to try and communicate with it. Because really, if you say, you know, oh, it was a trap, it was a bad idea, it was, we should have done this. Like Sam was the one that was like, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to it. I think I'm going to communicate with it, you know. So really you're saying like, oh, she made a mistake. She did the wrong thing. She, she should have listened kind of thing. And it's like, well, no, this is her personality. This is what Sam does. Yeah, that's why they've got a team with different skill sets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fortunately, they've got somebody in IT, in the SDC, who happened to have a voice synthesizer. Guess when they get back to the infirmary, Sam is talking, albeit in a yeah. fashion. Yeah. I am yep. within. Okay, then. Yeah. <laughs> That's, um, yeah. That, and then it goes on to say, like, I am major. It's like, wait, hold on. That demonstrates that it doesn't really understand how biologics work. You could imagine well, that in its world, it can jump into another subsystem and it is that subsystem. It hasn't yeah. got an, in, an identity of itself. A bit mm. like the Borg in Star Trek, one drone is the same as every other drone and it can go anywhere within the collective and it's, it'll do the job it's assigned. Maybe the entity is similar to this. It, it's in unit called Samantha Carter, therefore it is Samantha Carter. If I'm controlling the program, it kind of gives a nice change from the gold, really. Because the gold are like, They take over, but they take over. It's them now. You know, they're like, yep, this is my body now, but I am Anubis or I am Hathor. You know, so they are a different person to the host. Whereas this one, it's almost scarier than the gold because you're not yourself anymore. You're not, like, they literally take your identity. This is a horror episode. Yeah. I mean, I would have loved some, like, you know, dark shadows creeping through um, some dark rooms. Then the power's out, the entity just like... Just the camera slowly know. moving through, you know. <laughs> yeah, Ramp up the tension music. a little bit more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We get some more dialogue, how the entity felt threatened. It acted in self-preservation. This is basically one of the questions about the episode, you know, intent. Mm. It, it honestly says, if I didn't do something, I was going to die. So basically anything mm. I did is legitimate in my point of view. To Jack, no, that, that, doesn't, that, that doesn't work. The viewer can ask, ask themselves, which side do they take? We learn later on that we will get to it, that the entity is more than just kind of a cold-blooded mathematical engine where it can come up with mm. an equation that says preserve or not preserve. But... At the moment, you know, they're kind, of, they're kind of screwed. You know, Sam is, to all intents and purposes, gone. This entity is in control of her body, even though the entity points out that, look, you started it. <laughs> yeah. Not us. You came to our world. You started killing us, damaging our systems. Uh, ow. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I like the fact that when this is all coming out, Hammond had already uh, locked down the gate address, because there is a possibility of two-way communication. He does actually allow Daniel to talk to the entity, 
Identity has learnt enough. Look, I'll bargain for my life. I've got information you can use. I will let you have that yeah. if you allow me to live. Yeah. That's all it's got to give, really. But and it's quite firm on the fact that, like, oh, if I left, Sam will die. Like, you know, it's quite straightforward. There's nowhere the entity can go now. Or at least there's nowhere it could go that they'd be comfortable letting it go. I could go yeah, back into the mainframe, exactly. but no, I don't think so. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, yeah. It's, it, um... Yeah, it's a pity. I've got this PlayStation. Is that good enough? No, no, that's not good enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's grown too big. It's like, well, what about like one terabyte hard drive? How did that come? <laughs> you know, kind of. Uh, um, yeah, so the... We can get you like five of them and you can break up into each one of them. I can just imagine the entity as soon as it went into Sam's brain, and especially Sam because of how intelligent she is. And, you know, obviously her brain is, well, like Jack says, a national treasure. As soon as it gets in there, you can just see that it would just be fascinated with it, you know, and, and all of this storage that obviously it would have on its, its home world because there's more than one entity on the home world. But just like from going from the mount from the storeroom into human brain just oh would have been stretch its legs a bit exactly (laughs) this is better ah i can finally relax it's at this point though daniel is clearly on not necessarily on the side of the entity but understands what has happened and he's willing to to listen he's willing to understand he's willing to play look you're safe here now don't threaten us we won't threaten you we won't have to go back to your world don't worry about that. Your goal was to stop us hurting your people. You've accomplished that. There's no need to do any any further damage. Jack, on the other mm. hand, <laughs> sod that. Get out or else. <laughs> yeah. Get out or I'm going to send Malps to your world and destroy it. And you're thinking, oh, yeah, that's not diplomatic, Jack. But yeah. I suppose it works in this case. It frightens the entity to a point where, right, I've got to do something drastic here. Leave her. Now. You alone. You've read my file. Think again. I must preserve. Fine. Stick your guns in. Check. Daniel, we're going to do this my way. You can. General? You're damn right we can. No. Please. Leave her. I must preserve. If you want to preserve your world, leave Major Carter right now. I love like how Jack's like, you've read my file, think again. <laughs> and the entity like really starts thinking again, like, well, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's where it comes in again, that Jack is quite, when he has to be, it, you know, do or die. There's no like um, reasoning with aliens, yeah. really, when one of his team members is in trouble. You know, even Daniel's trying to go like, no, don't do that. Like, that's not going to help kind of thing. I think when the general backs him up as well, that pretty much puts a full stop to it. Yeah. 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 The, the entity realises that the next step is hurting his own people. They will sacrifice Sam for this. Yep. And, like, he obviously, he, the entity obviously realises that Hammond is the one in charge and the fact that, okay, so Jack will do it, but also the one in charge has said that they will do it. And you can really see, I love how the humanity kind of comes through with the entity when he actually says, no, please, you know, like he's not, it's not just no, you know, it's like he actually says like, please. Ultimately, this is an intelligence that has sacrificed itself, maybe not ever expecting to go home again. 
as long as it can uh. achieve one mission. The mission was to destroy the invader, but stopping the invader is just as good. Yeah. Daniel gave it away that look, we're not we're not gonna go there. You've won. Jack, on the other hand, look, if you don't leave Sam, we are gonna hurt you. Either way, yeah. the entity gets what it wants. The next step where it escapes from the infirmary, it runs into that corridor, it strikes its pose, lightning flashes and everything. Mm. That is made clear to anybody watching that the entity didn't want to hurt anybody else. It achieved what it did and it tried to make the best of it, make amends. Yeah, and it truly was just trying to survive and preserve. You know, it said it hurt a lot of us. Like the entities lost a lot of, I guess you could say family, friends kind of thing in their own little way. But it really just shows that it, it didn't want to hurt anyone. It didn't want to kill Carter. It didn't want to it didn't want to hurt any of them because then you can also see that it, it, it's using, like it's walking. So its motor skills are obviously working as well. I mean, it could have pushed other people. It could have gone into somebody else. So, you know, who knows what it could have done. That was as soon as they realised what they were going, like what Jack was going to do. It decided that, okay, this is my next step, is sacrificing myself. It could, in theory, use some of Sam's knowledge, got to the self-destruct system and nuke the base. Yeah. It could have taken a lot more people with it. But when push came to shove, when Jack fired on it, it knew what the Zat gun could do. It realised that the best way to achieve its ends was to do as much as it could to give this crazy biologic being that's shooting at it what it wants. I do have a bone to pick with that scene, though. It just, I don't know, it feels so, like, I mean, it would have been a hard thing for Jack to do anyway because he's just fought for Sam's life and he thinks that this is the entity going back to the mainframe. You know, he thinks that, oh, it's going to infect it again, we're going to have this situation all over again, you know, and there's no way that we're going to be able to kill it, that sort of thing. But I just, I really get really frustrated that he's threatened this entity and the entity has gotten up and is doing something. You know, you don't know what it's doing. Like, they don't know what it's doing. Obviously, we know from watching the episode and things like that. But you don't really know what it's doing. And then he decides to shoot Carter with a zap. You know, like, they all agreed that, yeah, they're not going to do anything really with Sam. Like, they're not going to kill Sam in order to get rid of the entity. And then suddenly, Jack kind of pulls out of that gun and fires twice. And we know what happens it just didn't didn't feel like and this might just be my opinion obviously but it just didn't feel like a flow in the story like it felt quite like they'd just been fighting for Sam's life and bargaining with entity to save Sam and then O'Neill's going to be the one to fire twice I mean I know that they were trying to add some angst and <laughs> you can see you know you can see Jack you can see his like turmoil but yeah I don't know I just felt like that was a bit of really just like going backwards rather than forwards but I suppose that's again where the like his training kicks in really where he, he's like okay I can't let this thing infect the base again I think it answers Go the on. question when General said I know how important she is to you that question mm. would Colonel Jack O'Neill sacrifice one of his team members for the SGC for humanity would Jack sacrifice Sam yes mm. I think at that point that decision was made he realised the potential damage this entity could do, and he would sacrifice that. Mm. Jack can make the hard decision. We've always known he could. 
And the hard decision mm. at this point, he did not know what this entity was doing. It was still a threat. The entity could have made it a little more clearer, but yeah. I suppose it, it, I suppose I've got to get it done now or else. Yeah. But this was written this way to get the audience to put the knife in and twist it a bit. And that's, yeah, that's definitely. not a problem. It worked okay. It worked fine. Yeah, I mean it's great for fan videos as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know that pained expression where Neil's had to make that decision. And really you don't see it very often him having to make that decision to sacrifice Anne. Like a lot of the times, like, you know, what is the episode? Um, the episode after upgrades where they, oh, my brain's not working. But, you know, where he goes and he says, you know, test me, like I'll be your lab rat oh, the, um, to the Tokra, yeah. just put Sam under. Difficult choice that Sam has to be the one to kind of be in the line of fire, so to speak. Often he'll try and put himself in that before he puts any of his team so i think it's kind of it is a good see but i just get very um like why would you shoot her <laughs> to like threatening and to being like no oh, no she's safe well but come on it's to be just... honest nobody really expected to be dead even after being shot twice by his gun how many times has like somebody come back by this point i mean this is only season four and we already know <laughs> <laughs> you know we already know that that nobody is dead forever i yeah. mean actually that's a lie but we won't go to that, Janet. Yep. So speaking of Janet, in the infirmary, level 21 infirmary, Sam is on life support. She tells Jack, you know, that Sam had a living will, which makes me wonder why they went to all this time and expense to hook her up to all this in the first place. Mm. But Jack knows she's got a living will. Daniel and Tilk, they confirm that the Malps and the uh, mainframe that the entity built has been destroyed. Well in the process of being destroyed with a hell of a lot of claymores. Mm. Way too many claymores to be for an indoor. <laughs> I know the SGC's built to withstand a nuclear blast, but come on, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> they do like their claymores, yep. don't they? And, oh, the machine, I am here. Oh. <laughs> yeah. This isn't good, but no, no, it's not too bad. This is where we learn that the entity sacrificed itself to save Sam couldn't return to the machine but sam could yeah every time i see this you know and they i mean it's literally just three words but you can hear sam's desperation you know like just the repeating and she's like broadcasting it to the entire base i wonder how much the people up on the top 10 levels were privy to what was going on on level 28 <laughs> yeah, or like the security guard yeah. at the entrance of Cheyenne Mountain. What, like, what are they doing like, down there? <laughs> yeah, I am here. Okay, great. Come in, I'll scan you in, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was good to know that in many ways it took both Daniel and Jack, both their arguments to convince the entity that whatever action it took, its people would be safe. Yeah. Maybe just the fact that it learnt from Sam, it took enough information from Sam to know that Humanity, if given a choice, would do the right thing. And the right thing was to leave his world alone. Mm. And it's as well that thing of, of it learning. It read O'Neill's file and then it read Daniel's file. And it obviously would have seen the two different people. You know, Daniel is trying to learn about species and things like that and life and how it came to be and all of that sort of thing. And then O'Neill is this, you know, army guy. But having both of them, like you say, in the room, communicating with it, and then Daniel making the promise that they're not going to go back, but then Jack being like, well, if you don't save Sam, then we will. 
So, yeah, it really shows how much the entity was actually learning from just from reading files and watching them yeah. and things like that. Yep. Fortunately, Janet is an absolute genius because she's going to create a conduit to allow the intelligence, the, I don't know, the electrons, the <laughs> the thought pulses contained in the, uh, the mainframe to come back into Sam's brain. No idea yeah. how she's going to do that. I don't think she knew, to be honest. <laughs> I would have been impressed if they'd have said, yes, we took a risk, we've opened up the gate, we've contacted Thor, and he's coming to sort it out for us. Yeah. Because I don't think Janet should be able to do this. No. Like I said, I'm reading transcript and like phrases like, there's nothing I can do but provide a conduit for her to return <laughs> into her own body. You're just plugging her and, in, aren't you? <laughs> Yeah. It's not like we have like outlets or anything, yeah. you know. It's not like you can chuck a USB in the head or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> like there's just little those little um what are they called? The the little pads that they put on the forehead and things like that. It's just oh, like Yeah, that connect to the Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh yeah, that'll work. That'll work. smart <laughs> enough to figure that out. I like oh. the fact that Tilk, uh, you're not gonna fool me again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got chill. Still ready to shoot at the first unexpected twitch. The entity has deceived us on several occasions. Oh, so true. And he's like, they've deceived us on several occasions. Fool me once, shame on you. They kind of throw the switches, something happens, I don't know what. But she's back. Yeah. And Jack, hey Carter, where you been? <laughs> that's Jack letting go all the tension, everything that's been inside him for the past few hours. A yeah. little bit of humour. Yeah. And then obviously you get the, I was shouting for you to hear, we heard. But just like, it's like they stabbed us in that part where Jack shot her. And then it's like, oh, it's okay. It's all good. They still love each other. It's fine. Yeah. And we, and we get a rather, I mean, they stage, stage the scene fairly well. Everybody's there. That's the entire cast of the episode, isn't it? Yeah, pretty there, much. There's nobody else. I mean, there's there might have been a few extras a few, that, we, um, that we saw. Yeah. You look yeah. at it, you think, hang on a minute, was this a bottle show? Was this made yeah. to save money? And you think, yeah, I think it was, oh. you know, but I didn't realise it right to the end. Right. That was using all the same sets, all the main cast. There was no fancy CGI. There was there were just some wires, malps, monitors shoved in a bundle. This would have been, I imagine, a reasonably cheap episode to make. And you don't realise it. say that, though. I was doing a little bit of research into the episode and this was one of this was the first episode of Stargate that they used HD equipment. Ah, I wonder if that's where the money went then. Yeah, I yeah. mean I, I read on as well that they didn't really use it much after that until about season eight, nine and ten, which obviously as we progressed in the years it was becoming more and more available. But they didn't really use the HD equipment much more after this episode. So yeah, maybe it, all the money went to the HD equipment and they were like, oh, we can't really afford to have every episode. <laughs> no, not yet. Not quite yet. <laughs> Just, you know, in the gate room or in the melt room. I was also a little bit annoyed, really, that we didn't get to see. Carter died. Like, we don't, don't get to see how it affects her in any way. You know, like, does she have memories of the entity? Does she have, you know, like Jolinar, we've got Jolinar's memories, like the episode that comes a little bit later. We got throughout the whole series. She has flashbacks. She can, you know, she can feel when there's a gold present or a tokra um, present. You know that sort of thing. It's like, would, was there anything funky that came from this? Like, can you suddenly read like binary codes perfectly? <laughs> or 
you know, like, can you, you've had a conduit from the computer to yourself. Can you like jump back into a computer now? Like we don't really see the effect that it has on her or the effect that it has on the team all together as well. Because like, let's be honest, we don't see that with a lot of episodes, but just kind of ends quite quickly. And we, you know, at least with Joel and I, we saw when Joel and I sacrificed herself itself, like Sam was in the, you know, in the infirmary, cuddling the pillow, clearly not doing okay, you know, and we had like Cassie come in and tell her that it's going to be okay kind of thing. So we still got a little bit of that after effect, you know, of being of her being taken over, but I just wish we'd seen something a little bit more. Even if it was mentioned in the next episode, you know, I feel like it would have really given us a little bit of closure to this yeah, episode. You would, because, you would have thought you know, there'd been a little bit of fallout. Obviously, it was just a one-off episode. But, yeah, they don't mention it any further in the show. Or they do, actually. They do mention it in one of the episodes where they're talking about, like, what Sam has been through over the years. But that's about it. I think that was in the episode Ascension, the one with Orlan. They mention, like, when everyone thinks she's going crazy, they're like, you've had this much stuff happen to you. <laughs> you know? That is true. She has, um, she has but- been through a lot. Yeah, exactly. But it's, I would have loved to have seen a little bit more or even mentioned, you know, like even if they mentioned at the beginning of the next episode, how are you feeling? She's like, oh, I'm all myself now or, you know, still getting headaches. But Yes, I can still, you know, I can still light a bulb when I touch it. Yeah, exactly. I've still got static electricity yeah. going on, you know. <laughs> She's going around touching people. Still got to wear rubber boots. <laughs> um, still being hit by lightning a couple of times outside. But all in all, like, it was a brilliant episode, I think, and the acting was just incredible. It was. It was a solid episode of Stargate SG-1. Totally standalone, like you say. Mm. You don't really think... Well, Amanda, for the most part, was not actually acting, but there's a skill required to sit there and look interesting. You know, the only way you can get get away with that is when you're supposed to be unconscious and you're lying in a bed. If you're supposed to actually be sitting up in bed and interacting with somebody without talking, just using micro expressions. Yes. Did an excellent job. Yeah, like the movements being so robotic as well. It really blows my mind just how disconnected she could be in the episode of just not there. You know, you can tell that Carter's not present anymore. She's in the back of the mind, you know. Yeah. And yeah, just I actually wanted to see if anybody has counted how many words that Sam actually <laughs> says in the whole show, like in the whole, not whole show, in the whole episode. Yeah, she doesn't really say a lot, does she? Not a lot, um, no. No, even when they're in, like before she gets taken over by the entity, she doesn't have a lot of techno babble in this episode, which you'd think being that it was based on the computers, based on the base, you'd think that. She would have a lot of techno babble in this episode, but she just really didn't. She, she was like, they were all very lost. Yeah. So crazy. <laughs> like you said, good solid episode of Stargate. Interesting that, as you say, it looks like it was a bottle episode so close to the end of the season as well. But if they were experimenting with HD cameras, the renting of them would have been a significant investment. Mm, so that definitely. probably would explain it. But sometimes I have no problem with a bottle episode because it gives the actors something to do. Yeah, exactly. And, like, if we didn't have this episode, we would be missing out on so much, like, just even team building because of the banter that we have at the beginning and things like that. And then we also wouldn't have, obviously, I think it's 24 episodes in season four. So, or 22. 22. So, you know, we'd only have 21 episodes. (laughs) Well, Um, you look at it and you think, 
excellent episode for Amanda. Good solid episode for RDA and for Christopher. Michael doesn't have a lot to do, but you look at it and you think, ah, he's directing the next episode. So as we know, Stargate often produced two or three episodes at a time. So I wonder if he was busy doing other stuff. That's why he wasn't quite front and centre in this episode. Yeah, definitely. And it must take a lot of time as well to direct an episode. So like you say, he's probably just so consumed by what he needs to do, you know, which is blow his phone's head off. But I didn't, you know, um, so yeah, it's quite a big job. But also I think these like bottle episodes are quite nice just to also give the actors a little bit of a break so that they're still acting, they're still creating content and things like that for us. But it's just a nice little way to be able to just, okay, we're on one set, we're doing one thing, you know, we're not outside running around in the dirt, we're not getting into fight scenes, we're not doing this sort of high intense action. We must give them a nice little break occasionally. Well, yeah, off the filming time isn't lost on travelling to locations, there's no extensive stunt work set up or anything like that. Brilliant acting nonetheless, but yeah, having the next episode being so intense And I think it's also nice for us as viewers as well to have a little bit of a breather as well. So it's not like constant, you know, it's um, a little bit more like, okay, this is what the team has to do when they're not off base. You know, this is some stuff that would happen even on the base. That's what we get these days with the, the modern television shows, which are eight or 10 episodes long. There is no rest. They just go for it. Whereas yeah. 20, 20 odd episodes, you've got to have a few episodes where you can just sit back, relax, let it wash all over you before you have to yeah. be sitting on the edge of your seat again. Yeah, exactly. And it's just a genuinely brilliant episode. It, it ticks all the boxes, really. You know, you've got the angst of Jack and Sam, you've got an alien, you've got Janet doing amazing stuff, you've got the banter. So it's just like a, a really good all round episode. Which so. is why you picked it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You'll be saying, I never really liked this episode very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's definitely one of my favourites. I've got a friend, actually, who often will say, like, she's going to sit down and watch Entity because it's just an easy episode for her to watch. So kind of glad that I picked it now so I can be like, have a listen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then, folks, that was Entity, an excellent pick there by Bryn. We uh, thoroughly enjoyed watching the episode beforehand making lots of notes, which sometimes takes away from the experience of watching an episode, I'll tell you that for sure. The beauty of it is we've seen these a lot of times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, then. Definitely. Next time, I'm not exactly sure what I'll be talking about because I actually haven't anything lined up yet. I've got to get back to watching the one and only season of Legend. I enjoy the episode, but actually sitting down to record something about it is, again, like I say, when I was doing a weekly episode, I, I was committed to doing a weekly episode, so I made time. Now, not so much. Bryn, thank you very much for making the time for joining me. Thank you so we're at, much. We're at different well. sides of the world, but we made it work. Yeah, definitely, and even with our um, technical issues. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank I'm, you so much for having me. Yeah, the one time you want Skype to work as it should, as it's been doing for the last few years, it doesn't. No. We got it sorted anyway. <laughs> thank you so much. Heaps of fun. Good. Anybody out there listening to the show, if you want to be involved, if you want to come on the show, all you have to do is pick an episode of Stargate uh, and we'll chat about it for an hour or so and make a podcast of it. It's not difficult. It's pretty simple. Get in touch with me. I'd love to hear from you. Stargatearchives at gmail.com, stargatearchives.com. We are on Facebook and Tumblr. We're also on Twitter at The Gatecast, which is our primary social media portal. 
If you do want to get in touch, please get in touch. If you do listen to the podcast, a rating and review on Google Play or iTunes is appreciated, but not required. But keep watching Stargate. That's all we can do. Enjoy and tune in next time. Bryn, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. So until next time, take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and that's, that's it. That was awesome.